Yeah, wiping your Cry eyes. baby yeah, eyes. Right. Of course, if Lucic did that, he'd scratch his cornea because he's got a Stanley Cup ring that would get in the way. Wow. What a line, huh? Jack Edwards, uh, ladies and gentlemen, from Nesson, TV voice of the Bruins. Jack, how you doing, bud? Terrific. How got, are you, Glenn? Got Hi, Kirk. Got Hi, you, Jack. Got how you, are you? Got your best buddy, Kirk, here. Kirk. Yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's, all right. it's all right. What's up? So, in other words, you'll tolerate the next 10 or 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody has to do it, Jack. I'm sorry. You know what? You know what? Nasty is good at this time of year. So yes, it is. Well, you know what? That, that was a good part of last night's game, didn't you think? We talked about them getting more physical. I thought yeah. they got a lot more physical last night. Yeah, they did get more physical, and uh, they showed some creativity in getting the puck to the front, and they got guys there when they needed to, and they exposed Braden Holtby as a pretty good AHL goalie, which is what he is right now, but he certainly isn't a top-flight National Hockey League goalie. I, I think perhaps the most compelling uh, dynamic of last night's game is that if you look at all three games, the Bruins have been getting better, and Washington has not been getting better. Uh, Washington came out in really lockdown mode in game one, and the Bruins really didn't know how to bust into that, uh, into that hardened bunker, if you will. Uh, but the Bruins have been figuring that out, and they have been getting more and more physical. And I believe that the, uh, the lack of discipline shown by Washington, and uh, right at this moment, Nicholas Backstrom is supposed to be in a hearing with Brendan Shanahan. Correct. The lack of discipline shown by Washington in the closing minutes may be an indication that they're starting to crack under the uh, under the pressure that the Bruins are bringing to bear. Well, that was stupid. Getting back to Holpe, how much of it do you think the first two games he was well protected with a number of block shots? Last night, they got through. He didn't. They didn't have those block shots last night. That's true. They didn't have the block shots last night, and that's because the Bruins were a little bit more creative in the neutral zone. They were getting into the attacking zone with speed. Uh, there were a lot more lanes. And also Washington, maybe because it was playing at home, decided that it wouldn't pack it in quite as tight to its goal as it did in games one and games two. And, and uh, games one and two, I should say. Uh, you know, Holpe is, is uh, a good goalie. Uh, he has a chance to be really good in his NHL career, but he's not there yet. And when it comes time to make the huge saves, for instance, Tim Thomas with 2.21 to go, robbing Jay Beagle point blank, and saying after the game, you know, I actually saw that coming. And, you know, when Thomas is in that mode, that, that's what a goalie's got to do. It's not about the three goals that Thomas gave up. It's about that one that he stopped right there. Jack, I think there's something that you and I are going to agree upon, as usual. I think that Dale Hunter, I mean, how delusional can you be here when he's talking about Backstrom and Bruins targeting his head is crossing the line? I mean, you think about Pierre Turgeon, you think about all this stuff. I understand Hunter's the coach, but, I mean, can we be realistic about this? Inevitably, teams reflect the personalities of their head coaches. It happens in every single sport, and there's, there's really no way around it. When you're in professional sports and you're living together, in essence, every single day for six, eight, nine months at a time, uh, somebody's tendencies tend to wear off on you. And Nicholas Baxter has never done what he did, but he cross-checked Beverly right across the face, and you got to suspend that. And and everybody's expecting him to get suspended for it. Uh, Hunter was one of the dirtiest players in NHL history. He was also one of those rare guys who was a very skilled, very dirty player. Yeah. So that kind of masked his dirtiness. But you know, that's like saying, well, yeah, he was an assassin, but he was a really good <laughs> shot. 
All right, Jack, what do you think's going on here in the Stanley Cup playoffs this year? Usually when you get to the postseason, the hitting increases, the fighting decreases. We're not seeing that. You look at this Philadelphia and Pittsburgh series, and it is just outright vicious. What What is happening here this year? Isn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> it is a beautiful I'm, thing. I mean, I mean, this is this is actually the danger of Gary Bettman's suggested realignment of the National Hockey League, where he would turn it into four divisions, and the stuff in your division is important. You play more games against your division rivals than anybody else, but the rest of the league becomes generic. Therefore, the Bruins would play the Philadelphia Flyers just as often as they play the Colorado Avalanche and the Anaheim Ducks. Well, the heck with that. The NHL has 40 years of equity in the bitterness that is built up between regional rivals, even those that are not in your own division, such as the Montreal Canadiens or the, the Buffalo Sabres, who the Bruins see all the time. If you go away from that, you give up the opportunity to have this kind of familiarity breeds contempt nastiness in the first round of playoffs here. That is what makes it go. Let's face it, you know, Almost all of us who watch hockey love the confrontational aspect of it. And when you get teams like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh who know each other inside out, who play each other six times every regular season, and then every couple of years or so they end up playing each other in the playoffs, that's just wonderful when guys bring up the old laundry and, uh, you know, and, and they remember what's been going on for three or four years head-to-head. And, you know, Max Talbot's seen both sides of it now. And somebody in the Pittsburgh organization said to me a couple of weeks ago, the reason that Philadelphia scares me is not because I think that Philadelphia is a better team. I think that Talbot is, is going to be the guy that injects the serum of how to win into that team and use it against us. Well, I, was a, you know, I don't know if Talbot's the reason, but yeah. it's working out okay for the Flyers, isn't it? Yeah, well, I was a little concerned that uh, Brzezgolov was, was playing better and was a good acquisition for them this year. But in this, in this playoff series, uh, they're scoring at will. I, listen, I love it. I can't shut that series off. Uh, on the other hand, I, I do think it's going to bring out that debate once again, as you know, uh, that happens on a regular basis. Because this is more like regular season. It's not like the playoffs. The way they're playing, and you yeah, see, well, and you're seeing some carryover in these other series, Jack. I wonder if the players are looking at it, saying, "Well, they do it in that series. Why can't we do it in our series?" Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's the slippery slope uh, on which uh, Brendan Shanahan has pitched his tent, and that's a difficult thing for him because he's got to try to take individual situations, every single one of them, an individual situation and apply broad guidelines across his rulings that are going to be interpreted in all kinds of different ways across the league. You know, when you get a situation like Chicago's Andrew Shaw, who ran uh, Mike Smith in Phoenix, the goalie, and getting three games for that, well, you know, everybody now understands that pretty clearly, that if you, uh, if you hunt a goalie and you put your shoulder into his chin behind his own goal while he's handling the puck, that you're going to get three games. Uh, the more difficult stuff is, for instance, you know, the Shea Weber thing, because what a lot of people overlooked was that Henrik Zetterberg ran Weber, and we made mention of that last night, that Ovechkin at the end of the game ran Rich Peverly. You know, he, he, there's one second to go in the game. The puck's 200 feet from where Washington needs it to be, and Ovechkin, instead of going in and trying to pry the puck out of his skates, just, you know, he didn't clobber him, but he hit him pretty hard above the waist. Totally unnecessary to do that kind of thing. So Shanahan's in a, in a tough spot. But you know what? Uh, I, I still have no problems with uh, with the overall body of work of Brennan Shanahan. I'm not worried about people saying it's like regular season 
uh, hockey because it's so intense. And the people who pay attention, the real hockey fans, know that it's up a couple of notches and it's just going to get ratcheted higher. I think you got to suspend Backstrom just because he's so dumb, Jack, in that spot. Like you said, I mean, the game is over. There's absolutely no call for it. You can debate whether or not it's a suspendable hit. That's fine. I think it probably was. But to do it in that spot when the game's over, suspend him just for that. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, that, that was just so ill-advised. And it was actually Dale Hunter-like, you know, as Glenn was pointing out. It, yeah. it was the kind of thing that you would see from Hunter during his playing career. And uh, from a guy who is as talented and necessary as Nicholas Backstrom, and by the way, you know, if Washington drops game four at home, they're coming back to Boston down 1-3. Not exactly the scenario they would spell out for themselves, but Baxter may have put his team in that kind of position by doing something just flat-out stupid. Uh, was uh, Brad Marchant, was he trying to lure a couple of possible penalties? Now, he got a stick in the groin, I know that. And, yeah. that, and that was pretty obvious. I think that one, if you were nearby, he was probably – talking and singing soprano. So that one seemed to be legit. But this seemed to be a case where he was trying to see if he could buy a couple calls. Fair to say? Yeah. Yep, it is fair to say. I didn't like the way he exaggerated the last time he went down. I can't remember the exact instance of it, but I remember saying that it looked exaggerated. Um, Marshawn is a tough player, and he is a guy who's not afraid to go into any situation. But the referees know that as well, and he doesn't need to embellish anything. He is... He, you know, he earns the number of power plays that he puts the Bruins on by his toughness, his aggression, and uh, his willingness to get his nose dirty and or broken. Uh, I, I don't like the embellishment even a little bit. Uh, I think it detracts from the way the Bruins play. And uh, I don't know if anybody spoke to him about it today. Uh, they didn't skate, but, uh, or if they're going to talk to him about it tomorrow. But but I wouldn't be surprised at all if somebody did, because he's still earning the stuff. And what he doesn't want to do is start getting the reputation of being a diver, and then the officials will turn against him, and they'll make it be more than obvious that it's a penalty. So uh, if he just keeps playing it straight as he has 95% of the time, things will work out. I think one of the underappreciated players in, on any team in this city, I thought he was great in the postseason last year, and it's been great so far in this series, Really good game last night to Seidenberg, Jack. Yeah. I thought, once again, just another huge game in a big spot for him. What a stud this guy is. I mean, he he actually relishes these incredible collisions with Ovechkin. And they're like the executive death toy, you know, the, the one with the uh, the balls there that you bang right. together and they both, you know, they bang off in opposite directions. It's, there, there have been at least half a dozen world-class collisions between those guys in the first three games, and Seidenberg comes away smiling, going, yeah, this is really fun. Fun? Are you doing nuts, man? But, but uh, you're right, Kirk. He's a, he's a tremendously talented player. I think he's got the best feet in the National Hockey League. If you look at the number of times that Seidenberg plays the puck in a perfect way, technically, with his skates to make a play out of something that, that really could backfire and Actually, his defensive pairs, you know, Chara often has trouble with those kinds of things. Um, yeah, Seidenberg is, is as good as they get. And Claude Julien uh, this morning said that, um, you know, you ought to rank him right there with Chara. It's hard to separate the two in a clutch playoff situation. And everybody knows Chara's value to the Bruins, but uh, Julien puts him right there with, uh, with Big C. Since they don't play again until Thursday, how quickly do we find out about Backstrom? I think we're going to find out tonight or very early tomorrow. Um, Shanahan usually doesn't wait uh, that long after uh, hearing the player's side of it. He usually renders the decision and uh, 
Uh, Shanahan's got a pretty busy agenda. I don't think he wants to get too much of a backlog here. You know, James Neal is in for two hearings, so uh, that's uh, that's the way it's gone this spring. But you know, let's let's dial it back to a couple of years ago when uh, Colin Campbell, who's a wonderful guy, was just in way over his head uh, and was getting swamped by these kinds of things. Um, these hearings would happen kind of in a black box, and then word would leak out through some of the Canadian media contacts that. Uh, Campbell uh, had over the years, and then you'd find out the truth from the league in a one- or two-paragraph release that had so much gray area you wouldn't really understand it. Um, It's not a perfect map from Brendan Shanahan, but he's doing it quickly, he's doing it transparently, and he's trying to provide some kind of a guideline for players' conduct during these playoff games. And, uh, you know, nobody wants his job, but I think he's doing a pretty good job of it. All right, Jack, always great talking to you. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Thanks, guys. Game See, four on Thursday night, and it's on Netflix. You got it. All right. Thanks. Nice that you two got along real well. I was I was pleasantly surprised. Well, I'm not going to force a confrontation, Glenn. I would never do that. That's bad radio. Some guest on the uh, big show receive a gift card to Davio's Northern Italian Steakhouse, locations in Boston and at Patriot Place in Foxborough. And are you ready for this? Coming, I believe, next year? Hmm. Linfield. Another wow. location in Linfield. Davio's. Uh, we'll get right back to the phone calls, and we'll get back to this whole uh, Red Sox situation at 617-779-0850-888-525-0850. Plenty of room for you on the old Wiener Wine line. We'll do that at 540 at 617-779-3535.